Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. In this week's episode, it's another content week. And this week I'm sharing with you a webinar I recorded about a year ago with some of the ladies in my Witch Property group. It's all about connecting with other people and building rapport. And it's based on a book by Nicholas Boothman called How to Make People Like You in 90 Seconds. If you'd like to join our webinars for Women in Property, then just head on over to our Facebook group, Which Property for Women in Property. Enjoy the content. So here we go. This book's all about creating behaviour that creates warm and meaningful connections because there's nothing worse than trying to connect with a new person, especially if their potentials for angeling new money, in that it all seems cold and you don't seem like you're getting anywhere. So the book's really good. 90 seconds does not mean you're going to get to know somebody in 90 seconds. What the book title refers to is doing something in 90 seconds that helps to build rapport to enable you to actually take the discussion further. Because if you don't build some form of rapport in 90 seconds or less, then likelihood is you're going to end up where the connection isn't there and it's going to make it that much more difficult for you to progress everything. If you connect with people, you will find that it will bring you infinite rewards, especially if you learn to do this with your partner, as I said. So likability works because if people like you, they're going to feel natural and comfortable around you and they're going to give you their attention and they're also going to be happy to open up with you. So it's literally, likeability has got a lot more with how you make people feel. So it's not about what you look like. It's not about, not about whether you've got your makeup on. It's how people feel around you. And a lot of the time, if you go into a, a first meeting and you don't feel comfortable and confident, then guess what the other person's going to feel? That energy is going to get shared. So everybody that's likable, and we tend to see them walk in a room, and often, if you ever remember back to school, you see the most popular person, and you're like, I want to be like them. I want to be the popular one. And all it is, is their body language, their tone, everything they're doing is giving big signals to everybody else that they're confident, they're sincere, they can be trusted, etc., And they often end up walking into a room and there's this big radiance about them that everybody looks at them and think, they're easygoing, I'll go chat to them. There's also messages coming from their body language that they're ready to connect and be open for business. And it's also the same if you're doing this in a pub. So if you're single ladies, using some of this to walk into a pub or a bar or wherever you go out meeting people you're going to walk in and you are automatically going to be more attractive to the people that you're trying to attract yourself to. So this book doesn't just tell you how to make business connections. It's got a whole section on how to do this for actual relationships. When you can actually learn to do this fast and make connections with people quickly, you're going to see a different result to what you're doing. So you are going to feel more confident. People are going to see more confidence in you. But it's not about, Nicholas goes on to describe, it's not about changing your personality. It's about using skills to connect you with people with a little bit more speed. So some of the things that happen is we can establish rapport by chance or by design. And sometimes it's natural. 
So you could get on a train going home from wherever you are one day and suddenly you start chatting to the person next to you. And by chance, there's a rapport already building. And some of that is because there's already interest. It might be that they're reading a book and you happen to comment that, oh, you've read that book or, oh, I'm interested in that subject. So you'll find that you can connect with people faster if you've got common interests. But we don't always know what those interests are. So the things you've got between meeting somebody and communicating with them is a 90 second gap where you can create some rapport that might have them answering you or thinking, how do I quickly go to the next carriage without this person thinking I'm being rude? And so some of the things you can do to help you. When you first meet somebody, there's a little set of skills you can use. The first is to be open. So greeting other people, especially if you're going networking, if you greet other people with an open attitude of both your mind and your body, then that is going to make them sense that you're open and is going to connect you with more people. Um, for it to be successful, you need to have walked in with a positive attitude. We're going to come on to what that means later. Um, but it's be aware that you're actually open as in, imagine, if you like, that your heart and their heart area can connect. Now, that doesn't mean anything other than, you know, you've got an open access between this area of your body. If you're closed off, then effectively your body language is also going to signal that you're closed and that's not going to make other people look like you want to connect so often you see some people in the center of the networking room, they're very open, they're standing up straight, their hands aren't covering their heart area. You'll find those people get to connect a lot faster with people in the room than the ones stood at the wall with their arms crossed thinking, really don't want to go into this room and start talking to people. Um, so that's the first thing, have an open body language. Be the first to make eye contact. So the next of the five is eyes. When you actually walk up to somebody and introduce yourself, make sure you're looking at them in the eyes, not down at their navel, because again, that's going to reflect a body language that means you're connecting, you want to connect. And that's the same if you're sitting in a coffee shop talking to somebody that's a potential angel. If you're there, you've got your document, you've already shown them your private funding document. I did that without having to correct myself. Um, if when you're talking about that direct that document, you're looking down, that is not going to give that other person any confidence that you know what you're talking about, nor are they going to see confidence in you. But if you can look them in the eyes and even start off by saying, you know, hi, Steve, how are you doing today, Steve? It's literally going to start opening up communication. And you'll find at networking, if you walk up to somebody new and you say, hi, I'm Tracy, how are you? they'll usually turn around and say, hi, Tracy, I'm Steve. I'm very well, thank you. What about yourself? And if you're networking, you'll find that if you say, hi, I'm Tracy Cartland Ward, chances are the person you just introduced yourself will also share their surname because it tends to be a case that they follow the lead of the first person to open up. So take the lead, identify yourself, um, and if possible, 
find a way to say their name two or three times. That doesn't mean saying, oh, good to meet you, Steve, 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 because that would seem a little bit weird. What it means is something like, hi, Glenda. It's really nice to meet you tonight, Glenda. The reason you're repeating the name is that's how you actually start to remember names in your head by repeating that name two or three times during the conversation. And again, that's more important for people that is the first time you're meeting than say somebody you know that you're going to meet at a coffee shop. So um, the other one is beam. So we've got open eye beam. That just means smile at them. Walk up to the person and make sure you're smiling because if you're smiling at them, that's going to reflect a happy attitude. And trust me, when you smile, your body has no option but to join you. It can't do anything else. So even on a day when you're feeling really cheesed off, just laugh. Whatever it is, use a memory that makes you smile and laugh because your body will follow. Um, so take the lead, beam, um, and then the last one is lean. So if you want to start building synchronization straight away, especially with somebody new, then as you go to shake their hand, slightly lean into them because it actually starts to synchronize and connect you with them. Um, and it doesn't have to be massive. It can be a tiny little tilt. So, you know, that's a little bit around um, first impressions. Now, I know some of you are thinking, why the KFC symbol? Well, in order to start establishing rapport, sometimes it'll happen by chance, but sometimes you've got to give it a little hand. So you can do that with the open, the eye, the beam, the lean, all of that. But the other way you can do it is by knowing what you want beforehand. So K of KFC is knowing what you want. Make sure before you actually do go networking or before you get to a meeting with a potential private funder that you know what the outcome is that you want. Um, the second one is change what you're doing until you do know the outcome. So you keep if you keep doing the same as you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results. So it's know what you want, find out what you're getting. So if you go into a meeting with a private funder, knowing that your outcome is to actually get them to have a longer conversation with you about lending you money, then if you're not getting feedback that they're interested in doing that, then you're not going to know whether to change what you're doing. So it's know what you want, Find out what you're getting. And if you're not getting what you want, change what you're doing until you do get the feedback you want. Um, so that's what the KFC stands for. And it's the same if you go networking. If what you want is to build new connections and you know that's what your outcome is, and as you're going to introduce yourself to people, you're not getting feedback that you're building rapport, then change what you're doing until you do start building rapport. So that's what the KFC is all about. It's just an easy way to remember that. So your attitude is everything. It's like starting the day. Yeah, if it starts the day and it's raining and you think, oh, blimey, that's real sucker. It's raining. That means I can't go put my washing out, mow the lawn, whatever you want to do. Then that's a useless attitude because that's going to bring you down. If you go with an attitude of, oh, it's raining today. Well, I was going to mow the lawn, but maybe now I'll just stay indoors and read a nice book or watch a new nice movie. That's a useful attitude to have. 
So it's again, like I said earlier, and what Nicholas talks about in the book, if you want your body to portray happiness and openness, then in order for your body to do that, your face and your mind needs to go there first. So you can have a really useful attitude or a really useless attitude. And the way to actually think about the, the two areas is useful is words like warm, confident, relaxed, happy, cheery, engaging, interested. Useless is turning up, feeling angry, bored, impatient, anxious, self-conscious, which we often do because if you're anything like me, ladies, you put the outfit on you're going to wear and then you worry more about what do you look like in it and get self-conscious you know, the old adage, is my bum in big in this? Um, or you might have had a bad day. You've, you've had some bad encounters during the day. The, ga- the people on the gas helpline weren't very helpful. So you go to your networking or your meeting slightly rude and impatient. That is going to portray a body language and a behavior that is not going to get you the results you want. Now, there is a very clever trick to put you in a cheery, happy, jolly mood. And it is this, before you turn up to the meeting, even if it's in your car outside, close your eyes and think of a time or something that made you happy. Now, for me, it's always my niece's giggling because one of the things you learn to do, and Tony Robbins is really good at this, he will close his eyes and he'll remember happy moments in his life, things that made him laugh. And while he's remembering them, he will do his usual, that, that's Tony's get me in the, the sort of mode signal. He will use a, a fist and tap his hand and he'll do that while ever he's remembering those happy times or the cheery times or a time when he laughed. Now you can do this just by sort of touching a certain part of your arm or something. Let's say it's your wrist. So you close your eyes, you remember happy times, things that make you cheery, And while you're remembering it, just touch your wrist and then open your eyes and let go of your wrist and then do it again. So go and think of another time that made you happy or cheery and touch your wrist while you're doing it. And then when you stop, you stop touching your wrist. Then you do that a third time and you can do this in as little as two minutes in the car. And all you're doing is taking your mind back to a memory when you were happy, cheerful or whatever useful feeling you want and you're touching your wrist when you do it what will happen with your body is even with your eyes open if you then touch your wrist or if you're Tony you'd be doing that you will find that your mind remembers that touching your wrist means go back to those happy memories go back to those cheerful memories so all you've got to do during the meeting if you feel yourself not feel, being so cheerful is touch your wrist again your mind goes back to the memories and the things that made you happy um, and it automatically takes you back into that state. So hopefully that makes sense. And it literally, it's what we call anchoring. So you can anchor any feeling you want so that whatever the anchor is, whether it's a touch of the wrist, uh, a little twiddle of the ear, if you've done that movement while you've had your eyes closed, remembering those events, when you do that with your eyes open, your brain will go back to that state. Um, so that's just a really good sort of pointer from the book about how to get yourself prepared for your meetings. And the great news is you can choose which attitude you want. So 
we then move into the fact that actions speak louder than words. Now, when you are communicating with anybody, your body language is 55% of the discussion. Your tone of your voice is 38%. Your words only account for 7% of that discussion. So if I was to actually try telling you in a really broad state, well, yeah, I had a really happy moment the other day, actually. I was, I was sat in the garden with my nieces. It was really great. Your voice might be telling them that you're really happy and remembering a happy time, but your body language is telling that person you're bored as heck and you don't really want to be here. So you've got to remember that your actions of what you're doing, so this is posture, your expressions, your hand gestures, um, you know, your hands being open, even if they're on your lap with the palms upward, is going to give you an open posture than if you sit them with your hands down. And you can already see, I'm, you can't see my hands, but you can probably tell by my shoulders whether my hands are open on my lap or closed on my lap and it will give you a different set of body language but you know over one half of your communication is being portrayed through what's happening with your body and the person you're communicating with is picking up on that so open body is going to expose your heart again so if you're having a discussion and this area is open that's actually good because it signals agreement willingness approval um, your body does not know how to lie whatever you are feeling in your body gets portrayed to the rest of the world whether we realize it or not so just remember that um, and you can actually without making it obvious the minute you meet somebody new you can tilt your heart area towards them and that will automatically send a different energy out from you if you're closed, then that means you're going to go into defensive mode. And it could be something as simple as crossing your arms, even crossing your wrists, turning so that you're sidewards, looking slightly away from them. All of that's going to show a defensiveness that they're going to pick up on. So effectively, those negative body gestures are going to send a signal of no to the person you're communicating with, which if it's somebody you're looking to get private funding from, is not going to do you a lot of, of good. Now, the other one in this is there are smaller gestures. So smaller gestures could just be hand movements. Um, it could be having a smile on your face. And it doesn't have to be like the shining. Yeah, it can be a, a gentle gesture rather than sitting there bored and terrified. Um, so if you're going to have a frown on your face, which is, you know, I always had to have this as a kid. My mum would tell me, if you're going to keep a frown on your face, do a handstand. Um, and, you know, if you purse the lips and avoid eye contact, that's also going to give a body language of being closed. So just bear that in mind when you're pe meeting people. Now, congruity just means the fact that your body and words and your voice tone are in sync. I've got a chat, so I'm just going to make sure it's not somebody with a problem. Oh, cool. That's, that, I'm just making sure it wasn't anybody who was struggling with something. So congruity is if you are happy, your body's going to be happy. If you are pretending to be happy, your body's not going to be. And that's not going to be in sync. So that's going to be what we call um, sort of incongruous. 
Um, and it doesn't help to actually build confidence. So the best way to explain this is when you're watching a really good movie with a really good actor, even though they're reading lines that they've memorized, if their body is congruent with the words they're saying, it will come across as real and you will enjoy that movie more. If their body is not congruent, it will come across as false and you'll see that person as a really bad actor. So this is true when we're looking, uh, let's see, so a sad film, if the person's jumping for joy and crying at the same time and saying how sad they are, you're going to think, well, that's a crap actor, isn't it? Because they don't look sad. Likewise, if they're jumping for joy and the words um, are coming out with happy stuff, then that's going to feel in sync and you're gonna, they're going to be more believable as an actor. So that's the best way to actually explain it. And sometimes just watch a couple of programs. Next time you're watching a program, watch a good actor's body language when he's saying his words versus a bad actor's because their body language won't, won't really be portraying what they're saying if they're not that great an actor. Um, so there's three V's to communication, visual, vocal, and verbal. And this is what we've got. So we've got the visual from the body language, the vocal from the vocal tones, and the verbal from the words. So again, if you're, you know, it's no good saying to somebody, you're sorry to hear that if you're saying it really quickly, as if you're trying to not listen to them, because they're, they're not going to get the congruity that you are really sorry to hear that. So it, it's making sure that you are believable by making your body follow what your words and your voice are doing. And if you can master that skill, because um, nobody's saying any of this is easy, if you can master that skill, it, it will be it will be pretty cool. Um, let's see. So people are going to like people that are like themselves. So there is natural synchrony. We do this as children um, because as children, what you find is that a child will pick up on whatever its parents mindset is. So if the parents are feeling angry, children will cry. Um, if if a child wants to keep up with their peers, they want the same toys. Um, and a baby's body rhythm, for those of you that have had babies, they're often in sync with the, with the mother. So all of, all of our lives, we learn how to be in sync with the people that we know around us. And it's the same when we're communicating with other people and we're wanting to connect with them. And there's some really easy sort of ways to actually be in sync with somebody. Some of it will happen naturally. So this will happen with your really close friends. You'll find that you're naturally in sync. And I'm hoping, well, I don't mind if there's any men hidden in the background. There is one thing that ladies um, have throughout their lives from teenage till sort of mid forties to late fifties where it is natural synchronicity. So if you live with a teenage daughter, ladies, you will find that your cycles, the monthly cycles will actually naturally synchronize when women sort of share properties together um, or they go on holiday together for some reason, whatever reason that is, our bodies naturally start to sink as women from a natural point of view. So obviously when you're communicating, that factor is not going to be involved, but it was just to give you an example of how natural synchronicity works. 
So how do you build synchronicity in 90 seconds when you've met somebody for the first time or it's somebody you don't know that well? So the idea is, is that if you can change I like you into I am like you from what you're doing, people will actually build rapport with you a lot faster. So there's a subtle difference. It's one word because people like people that are like themselves and that will build synchronicity. So you can't wait for that to happen naturally. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest you do, but I'm trying to bear with me, lady. Here we go. So what can you do? Have I lost this? Have I lost the screen? There we are. We're coming to it. So there's things you can do to actually help that synchronicity. So one of them we shared on the masterclass, which is communicating using questions. So use open questions like the what, the who, the how, the why, the where, the when, when you're actually starting to communicate with others. So hi, Steve. Um, my name's Tracy. Um, how are you? Now that by default is not a yes or no question. And usually the people will respond and open up with how they are. So if you can learn to start communicating through questions, then you will actually build rapport a lot quicker. So it might start off with, hi, Steve, how are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Steve. It's good to meet you. Tell me, what is it that you do? Oh, well, I, I make widgets in a factory. Oh, that's great. When did you start that? Who do you work with? Yeah. Where is it you are based? They're all open questions. So if you can start communicating with people around questions, it will build up rapport and communication faster. And it's a little bit like a tennis match. If you are serving, so the questions are you serving, so you serve out a question, uh, question, hi Steve, I'm Tracy, great to meet you, how are you? They will actually hit the ball back to you and often they'll say, I'm fine, thank you, what about yourself? The longer you can keep that volley going, the better communication you'll have and the more rapport you're going to build. Now, if it's a one-sided conversation because you're asking closed questions, um, so it's a good day today, isn't it, Steve? Yes, it is. You can't volley that back. You've got to serve again. So all the closed questions all end up where you serve a question to them, but it's closed, so they can't volley it back. The ball goes out of court you've now got to serve another ball. And the idea is when you're using questions to actually build communication is how long can you keep that volley going? And you've got to be sincere about it. You've got to come across both with what you're doing, you're leaning in to build rapport, you're smiling. All of it's got to be sincere um, because it comes across, if, if you're obviously doing things where you're mimicking or copying, then it's going to come across as a little bit sort of phony. So asking questions that are open using the what, who, how, why, where and when method is always a brilliant way to start building up a little bit of communication. Now, we can synchronize in different ways. So one of the ways we synchronize is matching. So this is how we can sit having a conversation or stand and use what's known as matching with body language to actually build some rapport. 
So for instance, if they tilt their head to the left, you could match that and you tilt your head to the left. If you go like this, then it's going to be a bit sort of, they're going to know what you're doing. It's going to come across as mimically. Likewise, if they suddenly go to scratch their ear and you do the same, that's going to come across as mimicking. <coughs> Excuse me. So use the sort of what we call the softer um, matching, which is gentle head shapes. If they're slightly sat with the left shoulder leaning in, then you could sit with your left shoulder leaning in. If you notice that they've got their leg crossed over um, one leg, then you could actually gently cross your leg. And you don't have to do it the minute they do it. So if somebody suddenly starts doing a hand gesture and sort of does this with their hand, don't have to copy at the same time nor at the same level you could just lift your hand up gently below your waist and it isn't even that noticeable because if you're looking at them in the eye and communicating they're not necessarily going to notice all your hand gestures so matching is where you do the same if they do something to the left you do something to the left if they do something to the right you do something to the right mirroring is literally like looking in a mirror so if they move their head left, you would move it to the same side as you look at them. So you're going right, which means you're both tilting in the same direction. So it's like looking in a mirror, which is why we call it matching and mirroring. So if you are following very gently, not obviously, their body movements, you will build by default, you will create synchronicity and build rapport because you're gently matching or mirroring what they're doing without doing this because that's what they're doing. Um, so that's always a good one to look at. Now, we all think with our senses, and although we've got five senses, the three main senses we think with are visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. So um, let me just get to the, the bit in the book where he talks about it. So the, one of the easy ways to, to sort of describe this is if you were to imagine somebody, and Nicholas has a section in the book where he talks about it. So we will sort of perceive things and the way that we communicate will be either to do with pictures, sounds or feelings. And sometimes it's a combination of both, but studies have shown that 55% of us are primarily sort of communicating visually, 15% um, auditory and 30% by physical sensation or kinesthetic. <laughs> now, the other way to build up synchronicity is to listen for the clues and spot which sensory preference the person you're communicating with has. Um, there's a little art to it, but it's about being on their wavelength. So if you imagine somebody asking a question says uh you know they may be asking a question and they're doing this and they go uh, i don't totally feel um and i can't quite work out but i'm wondering how do you know if somebody's visual versus kinesthetic now just by the words they've used and if you noticed i was twiddling my hair if that was somebody asking you a question that might be using their hand, maybe touching their chin, um, using words that are related to feeling, then that is a clue that they are 
a sensory person. So there are word clues and there are also some eye clues. They're very subtle, but if you learn to spot them, you can actually synchronize by using words that are in the same keeping as the person who you're talking with. Uh, and it's about being on the wavelength, basically. But some of the clues you get, visual people usually talk very fast. It's why sometimes I have to purposely slow myself down. And there is a really easy trick I use to slow myself down. And I imagine that my nostrils are my navel. And I know that sounds funny, but as you're breathing, if you imagine that your nostril is your, is your navel, then you'll breathe from lower down your body and that will automatically slow both your breathing and your voice and your communication down. So if you're communicating with somebody who is not visual, they're not talking very fast and you are visual, one easy way to sync with them is to slow down your breathing, match their breathing speed and match their talking speed. And that will put you quite naturally into rapport with them. Kinesthetics tend to talk slowly and that's because it takes an awful lot of brain power to convert words into feelings and auditories are somewhere in between. Um, so the visuals care a lot about how things look. They'll often, if you're talking to somebody that's a visual preference when you're doing uh, private funding, they'll often want to see proof or evidence from you. So they'll often say things like, can you show me how, how that works out? Um, and they'll wave their hands around a lot. And you'll notice when I'm being my natural self, I talk really quickly and I use a lot of hand gestures. That's because, no shit Sherlock, my sensory preference is visual. Um, they frequently look up to the right when they speak, and you'll find why that is in a moment. Uh, their wardrobe tends to be impeccable dresses, and they often aim to be trim and tidy. Now, doesn't mean a visual preference is always going to have all of those things. These are some of the things they'll have. So they might have more than one. They work very confidently and they make fast decisions. Whereas auditory people, they respond more emotionally to the quality of sound. They love the spoken word and they love conversation. They have a more fluid, melodic, sensitive, expressive voice. And they will move their eyes side to side as they talk, whereas remember visuals are up and to the right. Uh, their gestures tend to be less larger than visuals. They might be smaller and they'll be side to side, whereas a visual will be hand gestures all over the place. Um, an auditory will be side to side and it won't be as large. Um, they work in, if you're looking at an auditory that's working like broadcaster, teacher, lawyer, they're all auditory word-based jobs, counsellors, writers. So sometimes the job that people do that you're talking to about private funding might give you a clue to their, um, their sensory base. Kinesthetics, um, they're lower. They have more easygoing voices and gestures. <coughs> uh, they have been known to speak really really slowly um so listen for it when you're watching telly when you're watching the news listen to how fast people speak um how loud or soft their voice is and start to pick up on the clues uh plumbers electricians anybody that works with their hands 
are often uh, kinesthetic people um, because everything's quieter. And you'll notice with kinesthetics, the wardrobe might be more textured because it's feeling based. So there are verbal clues and there's no fixed rule. So Nicholas says in the books, there's no fixed rule. But if you think about somebody that's a visual thinker, they are going to use phrases like, um, oh, yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I get what you mean. So a shadow is a visual clue. Um, if you have a visual person that you're communicating with and you're talking to them about your business because you're wanting to look at them for private lending, then use vision or C-based words. So we are a company with vision. We are looking to have some of our properties um, done in a really smart way so that they look really upmarket, but we are going to be helping people um, from lower income backgrounds. Do you see how there's a demand for people with lower incomes that still want really nice places to live? So I used a lot of words there that were all visual. So do you see, look, can you imagine you know, I've learned when I've, I've been working with tenants in the past, as I'm showing them round, I don't do my own tenancies anymore, but as I used to show tenants round, if I picked up on the fact that they were visual thinkers and they'd got a family, I'd be showing them a garden and going, can you imagine uh, your children, you know, if, if you can see a, a nice swing in there for them to play on, can you imagine them laughing and enjoying that garden? Can you see the wonderful flowers that you could grow in those borders? You know, um, I'm more than happy for you to look at what you want to put in there and, and make it so that it's how you would like it. So use a lot of visual words. Um, so notice, mind's eye, see, watch, vivid, show illuminate just look in the dictionary for visual words and if you've picked up clues that they're a visual thinker then put visual words into your discussion with them and i'm not saying you're going to do this overnight but practice it practice just you know imagine that you're talking to somebody that's visual and practice sentences with visual words in um, if you're talking to a private funding person you could turn around and use words, phrases like, let's get some perspective on this. Um, this is how the, the graphs look uh, and show what percentage of demand is for rooms in this area versus buy to let or single rents. So, you know, words like and phrases like, I'm sure we'll be able to meet eye to eye on this one. So that's, that's word clues. Auditory words and phrases talk, uh, word for word, um, speak, uh, heard of, let me tell you. So here's some phrases. You might hear them saying, tell me how that works. Um, the colours in this room that you've done are really loud. Whereas a visual would say the colours are really bright, an auditory would go the colours are really loud. So I'm sure we could look for harmony in what we do around interest payments. So again, it's all about thinking about the words that portray sound. Can you hear what I'm saying? Uh, let's speak about this. Does that sound good to you as opposed to does that look good? And then the kinesthetics is all about feeling. So let's stay in touch. 
let's explore the possibilities they might turn around to you and say i'm not following you they're all feeling based words um, how do you feel about us looking at paying the interest at the end of the term so with a visual you'd say um you know which way do you see this working would you be okay uh, with looking at getting your interest at the end of the term an auditory you'd say does getting your interest at the end of the term sound okay to you and a visual uh, an old a kinesthetic would be how do you feel about us paying you both the capital and interest back at the end so that's just some little snippets around how you can pick up on word cues from the people talking to you to keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.